Hey everybody, welcome back to uh, another episode of Please Don't Tell My Mom. My name is Steven Reinman, and I am joined by my favorite co-host, my only co-host now, Bryce Fenton. What's going on, Bryce? <laughs> Nothing much, man. I'm surviving. Just been thinking of just been thinking about um I've been playing The Witcher all night. So Yeah. Hopped up on caffeine right now. But it's been fun. <laughs> Are you playing the first one or the third one? The third one. So Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the only one I can bring myself to play at this point in time. These some games get too dated, like the original one, and it's it's a little tough to play. I can't play old games like that. <laughs> we need some good remakes for those two. We do. Actually, I've been playing. I don't know if you have PlayStation, but I've been playing through a bunch of the old games. As I say, I can't play them. <laughs> um, the new PlayStation Plus thing where they give away all those games if you sign up to it, like all those free catalogs of some of the older games. So I've been playing through some of the old stuff on like PS1 and I've been enjoying it. I think a lot of games used to be made a lot better nowadays. And I I know I sound like an old man, but I think a lot of the games were made a lot better back in the day. You know, I think that they were more careful in their construction a lot of the time. Yeah. Not as rushed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I talked about it in the gaming group about the new NCAA game that's coming out. Um, how I'm terrified and excited about it because I know it's just going to get EA'd into the ground. Like <laughs> it's just you're going to have to pay for every single team with microtransactions, and it's just going to be awful. But hey, I'm going to pay extra for the uh, Zach Wilson mom simulator. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that one to come out. <laughs> But we are not here to talk about Zach Wilson and his prowess, how he got that dog in him. We are here to talk about a few things today. Um, first of all, we want to talk about, um, I want to kind of talk about my trip I took last weekend. I took my daughter to SeaWorld for the first time last weekend. Um, she had never been, and me and my wife hadn't been in forever um, since that documentary we're going to talk about has come out. We haven't been since then. Um, but I, I always enjoy it. We went to it a lot because it's really close to us. It's, it's probably the, the closest theme park to us now that Astroworld is closed. So we would always go there growing up and always enjoyed myself. Didn't think too much about it. And then that Blackfish documentary came out, um, and it kind of became taboo to even say that you went to Disney or not Disney World, SeaWorld, um, to say you enjoy SeaWorld, that you don't think they're the worst because that documentary paints them in a very, very negative light, um, which I'm sure a lot of it is like it's warranted. But the thing I wanted to discuss with you today was about the the way that documentaries always have an agenda. And I think a lot of people see them as like, it's just pure fact, like there's no, no opinion, nothing behind it. It's just these are the facts presented. And I think that's that's something that needs to be brought up, that it's not always the case. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that like documentaries succeed at their best when the subject itself is just absolutely entertaining and they don't have to embellish much. So I think of examples like Icarus, where that whole situation was just absolutely fascinating, right? Right. Um, where I was riveted from the beginning to the end. They didn't need to up the stakes. The stakes were already there. <laughs> um, those type of documentaries 
there's of course an agenda there, but at the end of the day, he was just kind of telling a story. And right. it's a story that we all probably, we all, it's probably happening all over the world with so many different countries. Um, but Russia was the one that got caught that time. Right. Right. And so in my mind, in my mind, that was, that's like what a perfect documentary looks like. But like you said, they all, all these documentaries have some type of agenda at the end of the day, or even, and even more so than an agenda and less nefarious than an agenda is a, just a point of view. Yeah, they definitely have an opinion on them before they go in. Um, one, I, I don't even know which one this falls under, but Tiger King, remember when that came out and <laughs> yeah. the whole world by storm and they made him like a, like a sympathetic character. The, what's his name? Joe, Joe exotic, Joe exotic. Yeah. Um, they made him, everybody was, was loving him, even though he's, I mean, he's kind of a terrible guy. <laughs> he's, he's really not a good guy. <laughs> But he's he was basically a cult them. leader. Yeah, pretty much. And everybody was, you know, Carol F. and Baskins and this and that. Yeah, I'm sure she has some weird stuff going on behind the scenes. But his, like, everybody made him out to be the hero because he's hilarious. And I think that <clears throat> that was on purpose. Like, they added the hilarious stuff in there about him. Didn't add too much humor in about her. So that kind of pushed it towards him. Um. And I well, he was a more way. interesting character, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's certainly more interesting. <laughs> that's that's one way to put it. Um, but I was actually I was talking to my wife about the Sea World documentary last night, The Blackfish, and she was like, ah, "Now I kind of feel bad that we went there. Now that I've watched this, because um, she hadn't seen it before until we got back." And she's like, "I don't know. They say this and that, and that it's really not a good place." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sure they like they have done." Before I get too far into it, I do think some of the things they do are wrong. But I do also think that the documentary doesn't bring up, you know, some of the positive stuff they do. We've had a lot of research on these animals and have been able to help them out, but they don't bring that up. So I think that's one of um, th that's one of my biggest complaints with a lot of documentaries nowadays because they're so hot. Like it, every, documentaries have never been more popular than they are now. Uh, you remember when Making a Murderer came out and everybody was trying to figure out if, you know, who did it, if that guy did it. I never watched that myself, but I remember when that took over. But clearly, yeah. like, they they want you to think this person did it or this person didn't do it. Um, I don't You have any other, like, documentaries that you have? Uh, I know you said you had one that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So, one, I mean, just an interesting call. Uh, I think that... Um, I wanted to, you mentioned that they're become so popular. And I think the biggest thing is this, it's such cheap content for um, streaming services mm -hmm. and it's flashy and it's something that you can give to the audience and only spend a few million dollars on. And that's just not the case with anything else they can provide on these streaming services. And so I think that's why they're so popular and why we're pushing so many of them out. A recent one that I've uh, started watching, I haven't finished it yet, is the, is called The Way Down. Mm -hmm. And it's about this, it's about this church called the Remnant Church. And they're this, um, they're this group in Nashville, Tennessee, have about 2000 members. They're specifically located in Brentwood. And I would drive by it as a kid, probably once, at least once or twice a week, every week. Mm -hmm. And it was this, uh, we didn't know much about the building when we were there. 
And it was really interesting because it was a lot of the people that they're interviewing and talking through are people that lived in the community that just kind of saw them from the outside. And then they de- delve into deeper what they actually were. And so for me, at least with, as I was watching that, I was fascinated as I learned about this group of people that basically were a kind of like a diet Christianity, like literally diet based Christianity and being healthy based was like their bend. Yeah. And it turned into just this really uh, just kind of, again, just a very. Um, so, I mean, this is a cult that or I don't want, I don't like to use the word cult, but a, <laughs> a group of people that really had some not healthy views on bodies and other things like that and just didn't treat each other very well. Sure. And so it was a very it was this really interesting documentary, mostly because it was based where I live. But I always as I watch all these things, I always am amazed because at the end of the day, I could tell the documentary was really uh, didn't love the idea of religion in general. And that and that kind of colored the whole view. And so I think as we we're talking about this, you just have to I think if you're responsibly watching documentaries, it's looking at it. It's looking at the lens of the storyteller, just like any book or article or novel. There is a storyteller at its home that's tr- that is going to color what you see no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the ones I mentioned to you before we got started was the um, was the Cecil Hotel documentary. And they clearly wanted to push like. So when you when you watch a trailer, it's like, oh, this is going to be like a ghost story. And then as you watch it, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, it just ends up being about a girl who was off for meds and ended up in a water tower. Um, it's very, very anticlimactic. I wouldn't recommend watching it. It was pretty terrible. Um, but a lot of it, like there was so little to talk about with the girl herself. It ended up being a lot about um, the the less fortunate people around. It was based in the LA area. It's a hotel there in LA. So mm-hmm. There was like a whole episode about Skid Row over there and how, how, you know, the good and bad of Skid Row, mostly the negative. But there was clearly like they wanted to talk about this and this girl was just, it seemed like maybe she was a convenient way to to shoehorn in this this documentary because nobody's going to watch a, a documentary about Skid Row. I mean, we know what it is. Um, but yeah, I think that's another example of it. Um, I had one more, but I can't think of what it is right now. I I just have such a hard time watching true crime stuff because I I can't find myself getting into it. You know, the first 48s and all that. I'm like, okay, well, somebody killed somebody. If it doesn't, I don't know. Go ahead. Well, I I think that you're right. It's such a perverse enjoyment. Yeah. And you feel like you're reveling in the uh, misfortune of others. And so these true crime documentaries get really hard in that regard. Um, Especially if they focus more on a, like a gruesome crime or something very different than say um, something that else that had a bigger message to it. Right. And so I think that that's, it becomes its own. I don't even, I hesitate to even put it in the documentary category, but you're right. The true crime documentaries and stories are just, they, they make you feel bad. They, they really do. I don't enjoy it. I like, I know you don't like the the C word, but I do enjoy a lot of the cult stuff. <laughs> um, like the, the heaven's gate. Was that what they were called? I watched that one and that one, it was very interesting. It, those just, 
blow my mind because I, I watch them and I'm like, how do these people, how do they fall? But then, you know, like we were saying before, these documentaries are telling you like the most outrageous things. Like they're clearly pushing um, an agenda or not an agenda or, you know, they got a point of view. And so you don't see it. These people are in it. These are just, you know, they're probably hanging around these people day to day. And you're like, how do you get into this? These are just people they're hanging out with. They don't see them as some evil cult leader. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's what was the guy in the who was the FLDS guy? Um, God bless the the documentary that just came out is very interesting about um, Warren Warren Jeffs was that his name? Um, I think oh I think that was the uh, the sweet sweet what uh, that one yeah yeah that one yeah 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 that would be Warren Jeffs I believe yeah they probably didn't see him as this evil cult leader guy when if they were hanging around him he was just some guy that it seemed like he knew more than everybody else. Um, but yeah, I forget what my point was even there. They, I mean, they, they clearly there's, there's an agenda. And I do think a lot of the documentaries nowadays, you just, I, I mentioned to you when I brought this up that I think a lot of people just need to watch it with a grain of salt. Maybe do a little bit of Googling when you watch it. Um, maybe get two sides of the story. Not with, not with Warren Jeffs. He's, he's a monster. Yeah, Warren, <laughs> Warren Jeffs is pretty, um, unredeemable in my eyes i I don't i don't think it matters what point of view you're watching from there yeah i'm i'm sure that's even extra frustrating for you because i mean that (laughs) he just associates like i don't want to dive into the whole religion talk just yet we usually save that for the end but like it, it has to be frustrating having him being the association that people have with mormonism because they do technically still call themselves that yeah, exactly. And so it becomes, you know, it's, it becomes a very interesting thing because I, I think that I, that's a good call out. I think Mormons are having a moment or Mormon offshoots, if we're being specific, are having a moment in media right now. Yeah. And so like, but like you say, I mean, Warren Jeffs, it's a lot of, he, he, they share a lot of the history, the, do, the doctrine that we share, and then they, you know, pick and choose the stuff they want. Yeah. And it gets and it, and it can get into really dark places, and so that's a it's a, it's an important thing to call out with that is just how you have to play there. But I think if we're talking like favorite religious documentaries, the one I enjoyed the most. Um, do you remember Murder Among the Mormons? No, I don't. Oh, okay. So that's one you should look up on Netflix. I don't want to spoil it for you, but basically, it's about a guy that collects. Um, Mormon antiques and historical objects. Okay. And about how, and his plot to essentially take down the Mormon church. Okay. All right. <laughs> and it is the most fascinating documentary I think I've ever watched. It was, I think it was like the number one trending thing on Netflix for a few weeks or like a week or so, you know, kind of how Netflix does. Yeah. And yeah. just absolutely amazing, amazing interaction. Okay, I definitely want to watch that. I get so I have such a hard time going on Netflix and wanting to like, okay, well, I want to watch a documentary or going on HBO Max and saying that. And then I'm like, well, now, but there's Supernatural here, and I got eight seasons. I still got to watch this. I just gotta just gotta plug through on this Supernatural. I'll get to the documentary later. And then there's another one that comes out that's supposedly crazy, and everybody's got to watch it. And then I figure we got the old one, and then I just end up watching Supernatural again. Because I'm just not, 
too much content. Too much. Uh, speaking of too much content, we had a few shows that we have watched recently that we want to talk about. Um, specific, I mean, these are three big shows that have come out. Um, the first one I want to talk about is The Boys. Uh, you and I both watch this. I think you and I both love it. Um, safe to assume because it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, they just recently had their third season. And I, I personally, I loved it from start to finish. Um, I know they kind of, uh, spoiler alert, you know, obviously all the spoiler alert for all three of these shows we're about to mention, but um, I know a lot of complaints were about how they kind of did away with everything they did at the season with the last episode. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a little corny how they gave everybody their emotional moment. That was kind of like, okay, this person gives an emotional speech. And now next season or next scene, this person gives an emotional speech. And, uh, that was basically the last episode. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about it? Well, I, I think you called it out. It, I enjoyed that show so much. And it's a testament to the fact that I'm really not holding it against them, that they didn't, that they, that nothing changed this season, really, from season, from season two, and then to season two. Mm-hmm. But, and so I, I give them so much credit because I enjoyed every second of it. I enjoyed the journey. I loved how they fleshed out that world greater. I loved how they, um, if there were, if yeah, you'd have to be dumb, but if there were any misconceptions that Homelander was a bad guy, <laughs> they made that clear. And I think that it was just an amazing satire. And um, I mean, it, it doesn't really offer solutions, but it's an amazing skewering of the modern American experience yeah absolutely um that does crack me up that people are like we're getting a lot of posts about how hey you know homelander's a bad guy like well okay well did you watch the first two seasons <laughs> it's pretty pretty clear he's not a great guy yeah, um, no one but, on the show is a good person except for maybe starlight right now yeah yeah i do think she's the only one um we had Huey going crazy this season and Butcher going like off the deep. I know they talked about like it was a big point throughout the season. Uh, like, okay, Butcher's not a great guy. Let's not let's not follow him because he does a lot of bad things and he makes us do bad things. Um, they really hammered that home. And then I I didn't understand that was one of the things like when they said you kind of did away and just press reset on the whole season. Um, whenever he shoves Huey into the the safe with everybody and keeps them from taking the V. I really wish they would have gone further with that and had him like, you know, actually, actually do what he was doing in the, the pentultimate episode. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think they, uh, I think he, uh, I think that was their design and they decided to change it towards the end. Yeah. I, that, just my personal feelings in the ending were, I think they had a, more courageous ending. <laughs> yeah. And I think they were asked by Amazon to help them make, let this last longer. I think they said it's going like it's five seasons and that's it from what I've read. So okay. That, well, that's, that's good. That's good to know because I mean, and I think the other part is I think they've identified the identity of this show is uh, Anthony Starr and uh, Carl Urban. Oh yeah, Absolutely. 
and their and and just the energy they bring. And I think that we needed to see something happen between the two of them, where one of them, like you know, where one of them didn't leave for this season to really feel satisfying, or at least you know some people dying and some resolutions in that regard. Um, and it just didn't happen, and so it's kind of and so I'm excited for what the next season will be. I think that they've earned our trust, and I definitely. Um, I'm excited to see what they're going to pull next season. I hope that they hope they um, don't pull any punches because I don't think anyone in that that died in that season died. <laughs> I mean, oh, in that, really? like in that final episode, like I don't think Black Noir. I think he's alive. Oh, okay, all right. I think that I think that we're going to see a lot of people alive. Well, I didn't care for. I mean, speaking of not being dead, like they already showed one of them. I thought the the Queen Maeve. I was like, okay, well, she's dead because <laughs> he just blew up like a radioactive explosion. Neither one of them died. They stuck uh, Soldier Boy. Shout out Soldier Boy. He was awesome in the season. He was. Um, Jensen Eccles is is the goat. But when they showed him explode, I was like, okay, well, both of them are dead, clearly. And then shoved him in the icebox afterwards. And then she's just she's just alive. <laughs> like, okay. I I guess this is what we're doing. They showed all these other people every time he blew up before all the other soups were dead. I didn't get that, but I'm also like, I'm just watching this as a viewer. I've never read the comics or anything like that. I know this is one of those shows where everybody's like, oh, you got to read the the such and such, you know, like with Game of Thrones and Walking Dead and all that. They say, oh, you got to read the corresponding book or comic or whatever about it. So I'm just watching it fresh. I didn't know anything about it. I just thought that was kind of like, meh, a little anticlimactic. Kind of took away the the purpose of her throwing him out the window. Yeah, I, I think it would have, I think even, and I, I know that this sounds kind of saccharine and dark, but I think her sacrificing, her sacrifice actually being a sacrifice would have, you know, raised yeah. the stakes. It would have meant something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it would have it would have actually been an emotional punch. We didn't really get that this season. I mean, like you said, the one person we actually saw die was well, allegedly die was Noir, and you don't think he's dead. Um, everybody else is pretty much. I mean, nobody else really died except for Stormfront, which we didn't see that either. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They could even pull that on us. Are they about to? <laughs> what is that show that <laughs> like you? Uh, is it Game of Thrones where they're like, okay, unless you actually saw them die, they're not dead. That's it's just safe to assume. Is this well? What, Game of what? Thrones did have one of those, um, but I'm trying to think. I think they had they're, a lot. Oh, of it's Westworld. Westworld. Oh, I only watched one season of that, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's its own. What I would say with Westworld is it's no boy, no the boys. <laughs> That's fair. I watched the one the first season, and I was like, okay, this the the maze and the thing's head like inside the skull what's going on like there was just too much what is this and not they they took too long to explain things and in the end i didn't even felt like really knew what was going on maybe i'm too stupid to get it but sometimes people are too smart for their own good yeah i agree and that and that's what's happening with that show it's just like well, you you aren't in that writer's room. You aren't reading whatever you know. You're not reading Gen- the book of Genesis to understand the book of uh, <laughs> Westworld. 
Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. it's a whole different world. So, yeah, no, I think you're right, though. I, we've, we've gotten to this point, and I mean, it's a Marvel thing now. It's a Star Wars thing. Um, yeah. Like, if you don't see someone really die, like, the life leave their eyes. Yeah, is it getting cheap now? Just not like we're it's becoming too much. We're like, okay, like when you see somebody die, you don't even expect them to actually be dead unless you actually see them them die. And even then they could still come back in some goofy way, like Palpatine, you know, ending up down a chute and then the the Death Star exploding and then boom, he's not dead. Apparently, I mean, they've just I think it's gotten to I think shows have jumped the shark with that. They just need to let characters die. Yeah, well, and that was what was disappointing about the boys and how no one died mm-hmm. in that scenario because I didn't think they were that show. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So as I proceed to say all these negative things about the boys, though, I give it a solid 8 out of 10 for the season. I loved it. I enjoyed every second of it. Um, Hero Gasm was disgusting and awesome at the same time. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Like, they had legitimate great episodes, and they more landed in the middle, which is okay. That's, like, something you can do with TV that you can't do with movies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I enjoyed it, and I love how my favorite thing about um, The Boys is the fact that they they clearly, like, if you're just watching a trailer of it, you're like, okay, this is clearly a show for a certain audience. And then that audience gets into it. Um this may this audience may or may not be the ones who like to score bomb Captain Marvel and um, anything, <laughs> anything with women in it, but they clearly have sucked those people in to be like, hey, look at this show, and then they go in and make Homelander basically Trump, and then it makes these people so upset. I can't tell you how many posts I've seen about um, how the boys has turned into liberal propaganda and how, look how woke it is now, like. <laughs> No, this is this is what it's been from the outset. It's it's like people who complain about X Men being too woke. Like, well, ha- <laughs> do you know what it's about? I mean, it's about how these people are evil, and you just get sucked in by blood and guts and explosions. Yeah, well, you're, and you're totally right. I think that that <laughs> this show's always been that show. And it was just subtle. It was just like, and this show is not subtle. That's the funny part. It never was subtle. No. But it was. I guess it was just subtle enough that people couldn't see it. And I think the other part is, and I, it speaks to a, our politics for a moment, that they can't. We can't handle. Um. We can't ha- we can't handle this. We can't handle a nuanced conversations about people. We can't look at someone we might have once voted for and say, "Well, definitely not a good person." Right? Yeah. We, yeah. If you bring up Reagan to somebody, they're like, "Oh, don't say bad words." Like, well, he not a great guy. <laughs> but yeah, you yeah, can't. yeah. Reagan has had his moments, but like, if you don't look at freaking Reagan's history and see how it affects our current life today, you're you're not paying attention. Right. I mean, you're just you got your head in the sand. But I do like one of my favorite things about the season was the uh, was the stepdad, um, MM's step. Oh yeah, his his daughter's stepdad. How he's just clearly like he's a tiki torch wielding like clear. He's the dummy who falls for the. He's the MAGA guy that doesn't realize yeah. he's falling for it. 
I love that it was just so in your face this season. And it is such a great device too to make it one of the characters stepdads because that's such a oh that's that's like vitriol right there for a lot of guys. It's that's a that's an ego punch right there. So well, I, did, and I, I think the, what was really expert about what they did is this guy is doing a lot of the things that we as a society would look like and say, oh, you're a good person, right? Right. He's spending time with his stepdaughter. He's doing all these things. And he's doing and but then when you actually delve into what he's doing, mm-hmm. it's incredibly messed up. It's incredibly not cool. It's um, and so sometimes I think it was it's also a commentary on um, what is good. Is it really good? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, so I I just find it absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I I, I love that. That was that was probably my favorite little arc in the season i know it's a weird thing to have as your favorite arc but i just really enjoyed that um so moving on to the next show um, another big one that you know it was so big that it broke netflix for a day um stranger things the the return of stranger things it's finally good again in my opinion yep um it's (laughs) before we even get into the season i do love like last weekend i was at um you know, went to SeaWorld, hung out with family when we weren't at SeaWorld and was around my nieces. And one of them was like, this is, I, I was saying, oh, this, this season was so good. It's finally good again. And she was like, no, this one was, this was so bad compared to season three. And I think a lot, I think it's fascinating the, the different seasons that people love. I don't know, it's, it's just something I've noticed as I've kind of looked into it online is the different people who love different seasons. Like I, I love season one and I love season four that just happened. The other two, I didn't know if I was going to watch it again after, <laughs> after viewing them. Cause I, I disliked season two and three was okay, but it wasn't anything to write home about. But season two was so bad that I, I, I was like this show. Okay. It, had, it was a flash in the pan, but then season four rolls around and I, I loved it from start to finish. Um, I know there were complaints about the ending. I personally liked it. Um, how did you feel about it? Uh, so I think I'm in, I'm in a very similar camp to you, which is shocker, right? <laughs> um, but so season one, I think is as, almost as good as television ever gets. Right. And I enjoy, I loved it. It was, I mean, it's I, obviously there's a reason stranger things is stranger things. And that's season one. Um, and so, but season four, like, like you said, it really reached the heights that you expected for the show after season one. Mm-hmm. And it was, and I loved, I loved it. I think I was a little higher on season two than you are, but I, but I agree with you on season three. And so with, with, with all of that being said though, I think you're totally right that it, I felt like it stuck the landing. I felt like it did a lot of interesting things. And I think that, I think that people not being satisfied with the ending might come. And I, I, I fully expect to um, eat crow after I say this, but <laughs> it might come from misunderstanding the lesson from the Mac situation. Okay. In my opinion, I think that, I think that when 11 tried to resurrect Max, it wasn't possible. It didn't actually happen. And that, and that, and that is why there's nothing there. I think that there, I think that there is no back. I think Max is dead. I think Max is gone. And I think that that was her 
you're not Jesus moment, right? Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah, I I never even thought of it like that. I mean, I assume that she's just going to be in a coma, and then since it's the show is sort of for kids, you know, or a younger audience kind of, that they're they're not just going to kill off this girl. Like they're clearly they're going to let her sit in a coma for a little bit and then bring her back when they need her for something. You know, maybe she's connected to the the upside down now. Um, but I, I just love the, we finally got a big emotional punch that I think the last two seasons have lacked. Like in season three, when, when Billy died, it was like, okay, well, I mean, he was a dick the whole season. So <laughs> who cares? This is good. Um, and then yeah, he was charismatic, but he had to go. Yeah, he was he was an awful person. Um, I think this one finally had the punch with with Max. God, God bless that man. Um, whoever plays Lucas, I I don't know his name, the actor, but he he had my wife in tears, and she'd never watched the show before. She was just sitting up there watching it with me. And I told her I was like, just buckle in because we're gonna watch Stranger Things. I'm not. I can't wait. I gotta watch this. And so she was watching it and she was like, I've never watched a show before, but I'm, she was like, I'm a mess right now watching this kid, the scene when Max is, you know, we think she's dying um, and he's there freaking out. That was, I mean, that was one of the best emotional scenes I've, I've watched. I didn't expect to see that in Stranger Things <laughs> based off what yeah. we've seen so far in the show. I think you're right. Cause like Stranger Things, what was their MO? They bring in someone for the season to die. Yeah. So, you know, you got your Eddie character, you got your Billy, you got your uh uh the Sam, what Sam, what why can't I think of the actor's name? Um, oh, um, Rudy. Oh god, Sean Aston. Sean Aston, yeah, you bring in Sean Aston to die, you know, like you know, every season they brought in someone to die. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so I think it was really good for them to kind of they did it again, but they also killed off someone that, or at least may have killed off, at least gave some real emotional stakes um, to a to a real character that we expected to live. Yeah, yeah, I did see. I didn't get the the everybody was very upset and saying that the Eddie character's death was unnecessary and. I, I disagree. I mean, like you're saying, there is a character they bring in every season. They they get you attached to them, and then boom, they're dead. Like, I understand Eddie was probably the best of that bunch, but, I mean, it did have to happen. It was, I actually saw it was based off a real guy. I won't ever remember his name right now. But he was, a, oh, he was the guy, one of the guys in the West Memphis Three. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's who he based his character off of. Um, you know, the whole town thinks he's a satanic um, devil worshiper, so they demonize him, even though he's actually a good guy. Um, but I do think it it end it ended up being better that he he di- he died in the season. I think it, well, it needed to happen. He was going to die there. Or he was going to die by lynch mob. Right. Yeah. He he couldn't have come back into town, especially after just volcanoed. <laughs> yeah, the whole town just split into pizza, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but I did. I like how they set it up for the next season. Um, 
you know, in five, six years when that finally comes out <laughs> based off their schedule so far. <laughs> yeah. These kids are going to be 40 years old by the time it comes out. But I, and I know that said next season is that's it. Um, just like the boys, they're going five seasons and that's a wrap. Um, and I've already told my daughter, she's super into it. Um, I told her, I was like, just get ready. You know, they're going to kill L. And she's like, no, don't, don't say she's so upset that I told her that. I'm like, well, I mean, that's what they're going to do. It, it can't go any other way. They're obviously going to kill her in the next season, um, which I think is, it's, I just like with Eddie, I think that's the right move. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. And I'd say at this, and I'd say at the same time that the other thing that I loved was that they finally found a villain and created a villain. Mm -hmm. And they didn't sacrifice him to a big bag entity. They said, Oh, this is our villain. Yes. And I, and I, and I so appreciate that because I was scared that he wasn't going to be the big bad. Yeah. After four seasons, we finally got to it. (laughs) Yeah. I I do like how they kind of tied it all together because before it was like, okay, there's this shadow monster, there's that shadow monster, there's, you know, it didn't seem like there was any rhyme to the reason, you know, it was just one bad guy after the next and it's just how it was. Now this actually, I like how they tied Elle into it too, how she actually created all of it by accident. I thought it was really well done. Now were there plot holes? Yes, just like with every show, there's plot holes, but I really, really enjoyed how they kind of tied it all together. Completely agree. Um, So moving on to the next and last show we're going to talk about. um, This one was definitely my least favorite of the three so far. I don't have a ton of positive to say about it. (laughs) Um, And we're going to talk about Kenobi. Um, The long-awaited Kenobi is finally out. There were fake posters all over Facebook about it for years and years. Uh, we finally got it though, and it was, it was meh, in my opinion. It was fine. Yeah, it was thoroughly meh. It had good moments. Yeah, the last episode was fun with the with the showdown. But other than that, I mean, I'd put it right there with Boba Fett. Like it was, it was just, it's there. There's <laughs> you know, nothing. Yeah. Great. It, it was Boba Fett minus the. Uh, Mandalorian season 2.5. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what are your, what are your highs and lows of this season? Um, highs were just hanging out with Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Um, I think him actually showing that he was broken after the whole Anakin thing. I think that was important character beats. Um, I think another high was, him kind of feeling his way back to the force because he hadn't been using it and kind of gone stale on him was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Leia when she wasn't running. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, I thought the, uh, I mean, I thought there was a really, there's really good plot devices. Really. I love, I mean, they had cool battles. They had great Vader moments. Um, I mean, Vader is terrifying and they, and I'm glad they showed that. Yeah. A lot of the newer Star Wars entries have been showing him not as some crippled old 
um, big scary bad guy who can't move very fast, but apparently is supposed to be scary. Um, starting with Rogue One and now all these newer ones, it actually shows him terrifying, which is good. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so lows, are you ready for lows, or do you want to you want to no, give no, your highs? No, no, go for it. Yeah, I'll give both. Okay, lows. Leia running, number one. <laughs> That's, that was a tough scene. Every time she ran, I was like, "You guys are professional filmmakers." Yeah. How do you think this would make good TV? Yeah, it was like a Benny Hill skit in that first episode. It was it was, really <laughs> it was terrible. I'm like, dude, her legs are tiny. Yeah, this these professional bounty hunters or whatever they were chasing her through the woods, and they get you know Scooby Doo knocked out on a branch because she ran under it, and apparently they couldn't see the branch that eye level. I mean, it was yeah, every, every bit of her running was it was a tough. Don't make any more Leia chase scenes if we make another season. Please, God, don't do not do that again. Yeah, well, I, I just don't know how they didn't think about that. That's like that, like that floored me on the first on that on that level. It's just like you got to know that, that you can't make a child chase scene look good. No, no. With adults, I mean, she was you know a great I mean? actress. But yeah, she was a great actress, but that was that was not a highlight. No, <laughs> um, you have other ones. Yeah, I would say, I I I would say Obi Wan not killing Vader again, even though we know he can't. Yeah, you can't let him see Vader's neck and well, not like, do it when he has just acknowledged that it is not Anakin anymore. Right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite understand that exact. Yeah. I agree. They they kind of gave that to him. He should have finished him off, but for some reason he doesn't. I mean, he's he's. They say in that last showdown, he's like, "Okay, well, I'm done with you. You're not who I thought you. You know, you're not my old apprentice anymore. You're not my brother." But you know, go on ahead and keep terrorizing the universe. <laughs> go for it. It it just had to be a draw where they both ran away. Yeah, yeah, and, and then. Go ahead. Well, and I think that's totally okay. Like that wouldn't have been mad, that wouldn't have made me angry, but it did make me angry that they um, that he made the same dumb choice again. But you know what? It could also, you know, if you tie in a new hope to it, to where okay, he let him live, and now this is coming back to haunt him, and now he's dead because of it. And maybe if they do a second season, God willing, they actually pay off this Qui Gon thing that they threw in at the very end they pay that off and have him actually you know come up with maybe a master plan that we didn't see before something behind the scenes where he's like okay well i've got to do this so that luke can luke is actually the one they say i mean all they showed him was that that terrifying little kid at the end <laughs> with his big toothy smile they did nothing with luke the whole time and apparently that's just yeah i I didn't. I don't know. They've got to show something else in the second season. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they did enough in the, this one. I think the second season might be like five years away, though. I don't think. I don't think it's a <sighs> do right away thing unless it happens. But I would be surprised. I mean, they do have so much already planned out. So yeah, I'm sure we're we've got a ways to go. But 
yeah, I think they've got to do something with that Qui-Gon. They keep, they've been teasing Qui-Gon stuff for so long, they just need to pay it off with something. Um, Completely agree. And my other hope is that they, I hope that this serves as a lesson once again, not that they, that they need to get outside of the existing stories. Mm-hmm. Like Mandalorian, I was a little bit sad that they looped it in, right? Yeah, probably. But they use they use the second season of or the the Boba Fett season. Yeah. To mostly loop them out. Yeah, exactly. And so that I was like, oh, they learned. And then I watched Obi Wan. I was like, oh, they didn't learn. <laughs> And so I'm just hoping that they learn because I love Star Wars. I just want to be in the world. They don't. I don't think they understand that. Like these characters. I mean, was like Luke Skywalker was a nerd. Yeah. I mean, I Han mean, Solo you, was sick. Princess Leia was a babe. Yeah. Um, like there was cool characters there. Boba Fett looked really cool. But like it was just a world. We loved the world. This wasn't like. A character-driven plot mm-hmm. to the same degree. It's not like this is like the most masterful thing ever created in that regard. Yeah, it's pretty. We terrible. just want to love this world and see all the random things and the cool planets and the cool everything. And you don't have to do that within existing frameworks. We're gonna be okay. Well, that's what um, Taika Waititi said. He said he's not gonna have any any pre-existing characters. He's doing a whole new thing. Um, I, they still have not announced at all what his project is going to be, but I'm looking forward to whatever it is. Um, but you know what I think they need as we sit here and talk about it? I think they need a Feige. They need someone at the top who can be like, all right, this is the direction. Y'all stop pulling this franchise in a million different directions. Stop contradicting yourself at every turn. This is, we've got a skeleton of a story here. Y'all fill it out. Stay along the lines here. Yeah. They, they just keep, I mean, the the sequels are just a direct example of that where they're, I mean, they literally, like, they, they went back in each other on every turn. They made one movie, it retconned the last one, and then the next one retconned the one before that. I mean, it's it's just, they need they need somebody at the helm, and Kathleen Kennedy is not the one. <laughs> she, she is not the person for the job. Um. So yeah, they need. I think they need a Feige, and I think it should be Filoni or Favreau, or both. Agreed. Did you know that Kennedy is from that family of Kennedys? I did not. I assume yeah. Kennedy is part of that family. <laughs> so it's just good old nepotism. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so we. That's about it for this. Did you have anything else you want to talk about with Kenobi? No, I no. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, I've I've come to expect that with Star Wars shows, but we'll see. The Andor show is coming out. That's probably going to be a hot pile. Oh, I'm actually excited about that one. Are you? He's enough outside of that that I think that this is where they're going to test really dark Star Wars out. No, we'll see. It's still Disney Plus. Don't. It's they just add Deadpool, man. Yeah, well, that's pre-existing. That's that's Fox and Sony that they finally got the rights to. I don't expect any. I don't think any, despite their new like, okay, you have to log in, and we have 
mature stuff on there now. Like, I don't think they're going to make anything like that. Oh, I, I think that they're testing to see how the numbers go and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it, it, I think people misunderstand, especially our generation, you know, people our age. Like, well, obviously, if you make this, more people are going to watch it. Like, no, you misunder, you, or you underestimate how many kids there are that watch these things. Like, how many times parents just can just throw on a cartoon in the background. If you make a cartoon that's PG or whatever, that's going to sell way more than, you know. I mean, granted, Deadpool was like, that the reason that did so well is people were like, finally, we get something like this. But I think if you did that on a consistent basis, it kind of, it will, it, the shine will rub off of it pretty quick. That's fair. And I think, and I'm just hoping that they do the, uh, I, ho- I hope that they just start delineating. Like, this is a kid's one. This is not. Yeah. yeah I mean, they sh- there's no reason they couldn't do that. I mean, other than the business model where they're, it's just stockbroker or, you know, people in a boardroom saying, eh, we're not going to make enough money off that. So no, yep. scrap that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. We will see. The last thing um, I wanted to talk about was it, it was something that just I've watched. I don't think you said, I know you said you haven't watched it. It was the new Bill Burr special um, that came out on Netflix um, I, I enjoyed it. I definitely didn't think it was his best, but I mean, it, it stirred up a whole hornet's nest because apparently nobody's ever watched Bill Burr before. <laughs> um, he had a big, long joke. You know, ha- he's a long form storyteller and he has jokes that typically, you know, they're, they're meant to incite emotion. That's that's the whole point. But he always prefaces before and after that he says that he's an idiot. Don't listen to him. He's a crazy person. I mean, the joke after the one I'm going to reference was about how he's trying to be a better example for his daughter by not cussing and yelling so much. Um, but we had an incident in the group where somebody, you know, posted a snippet of one of his bits about the WNBA and how it, Um, how women have failed the WNBA, not men. And it was clearly like, uh, it's one of those where they take a snippet and it's meant to say like, you know, thumb in your nose, nanana boo-boo, men are better than women. Um, It's it's a fragile male ego saying that, you know, they're they're tired of being told that men are doing wrong things. So they're like, aha, see? Look, and... I, I thought the discourse around it was was interesting because it was just a bunch of people. I've never seen the group so united before in my life. Um, they they you know essentially teamed up on on one person and, and berated him rightly so. Like he you know he he said some stupid stuff and you know play stupid games and win stupid prizes. But you know the aftermath I've seen him commenting on groups and it's just doubling down like it clearly got pushed into a corner and now that's who he is and i think as we've talked about on this podcast a few times you know this is the internet but when people get pushed into corners i i i think bullying somebody into forcing them into the corner is not going to make things better it's going to make things worse um i think there can be 
messages to the side, conversations, pull aside and be like, hey, this is why I don't agree with this. Um, come with facts instead of attacks, you know? Yeah. I, I would just say that, like, I mean, I would first of all say that it was obviously, like, Bill Burr's a comedian. Mm-hmm. It was obviously a joke. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that jokes have some truth in them, which is why sometimes why they hurt. But the idea that that is only why the WNBA failed, and there isn't um, or I mean, and even not that it's failed, but why it isn't as popular as it is so far, mm-hmm. or as popular as we 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 hope it will be, is for a multitude of reasons. And to blame women. And like to actually like have that as your point is just very reductive, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, I mean, he clearly missed the point is that it's, I mean, it's supposed to be so outrageous and that's why you laugh at it. Like, that's clearly not why the WNBA has failed. It's not because women aren't going to the games enough. I mean, there's there's a bunch of reasons. If it was complete truth, then he would just be giving a TED talk. But instead, yeah, that's a good point. he's just, he's saying outrageous things to in order to make you laugh because you're like okay well that's obviously that that's not the case like that's that's why you laugh at it um yeah <laughs> but i mean just imagine going up to a group of women and telling them that like yeah, you get slapped you're a psychopath if you do that <laughs> <laughs> and, and it'd probably be funny that you got slapped but like like yeah. do you want to be that guy I don't think you want to be that guy. I mean, essentially, that was a giant internet slap that happened this <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah. and, and we all yeah. laughed and was like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you kind of got what, you, what was coming. <laughs> and like when I read it, I kind of smiled because I was like, oh, it's Bill Burr. Yeah. And then, I, and then I saw like 300 comments and I'm like, well, I'm not reading that. Oh, it was a lot. It was a lot. You know, I had already watched the special before I saw that snippet, so I knew the whole context to it. That wasn't even like the whole joke itself was basically he didn't he wasn't saying that it was because of women. He was like, I don't I, I'd have to go back and watch it again. I don't want to I don't want to put myself in the corner here now <laughs> to get to get Internet slapped. But. Yeah, I, I, I clearly I didn't come away from that special being like, you know what? It is women's fault that the WNBA failed. I'm like, no, it's we as a society, it's it's the NBA, it's it's a whole lot of reasons, but the not nearly up on the list is women. Like I'm not putting them up at the top of the list. They're doing everything they can. Um, with all women's sports, you know, the the women's soccer league it finally got some recognition. They're getting are they getting equal to equal pay or are they getting close to i i think, I think they're getting i think they're getting equal pay okay good i mean they they blow men's soccer out of the water like their numbers are crazy compared to the men's because they're so much well, better and they're fun to watch i mean if we're if we're being completely honest i i'm only consistently watching soccer for world during world cup you you know yeah. big events right and one of the biggest events is the Women's World Cup. I love the Women's World Cup. Yeah, because we have a chance at winning it. <laughs> There's, I don't want to watch the men's team almost because I'm like, all right, we're going to go out in the group stage. Who cares? 
I'd and, much... like and the women at least like from my perspective they play a lot more physical i enjoy that style of play there's like so many it's a like it's a different style in a lot of ways and it's really cool yeah i mean who do you i mean for me personally when i think of soccer like american soccer i'm always thinking of mia ham first like her showing all that emotion uh whenever she won you know doing the the mia ham fist pump you know you think of whatever you can do i can do better that commercial that was her and um mj like i don't think i i think i can name one men u.s men's soccer player like historically a really good one it's landon donovan he's the only one i know um but i can name you i mean i mean the women's soccer team is just so much more fun and that's i have nothing against the WNBA. um i just don't have a team that's the reason i don't watch it i don't have cable and i don't have a team we used to have the comments and we'd go watch them. Uh, but then we lost the comments. They are not a team anymore. And I, th- that's my reasoning behind it. It's not because like, oh, I don't want to watch them because they can't dunk. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't care if they can dunk. I don't watch the NBA because they can dunk. I watch it because it's fun. And I have a team. Uh, well, that- and I, I think that's a good call out because like – there's, I mean, there's, we have so many different seasons of sports that makes it a little harder, but at the same time, honestly, I just don't feel invested in the teams. And if we help get me invested, I don't think that it's not something I would watch. Right. Yeah. I would, I would watch these things if, if, uh, I, there is marketing behind it. If there's things that there is push from the nebulous society mm-hmm. <laughs> in that direction. So I think, I mean, to Bill Burr's point, I think we're all failing the WNBA. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that was ultimately a larger point. Like, I mean, he did it in a jokey way, but we do. I mean, we we don't need to. It's not our, I don't think it's our responsibility, but if we're going to complain about it, then we have to do something about it. You know, don't, you can't just poo poo it and be like, ah, they're failing. Like, well, if you're mentioning it and you want it to succeed, then do something to help it succeed. You know, go to a game, buy a jersey. Do, do well, and especially if you mean it in some misogynistic way, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> look at men are better. We watch their sports. Like, yeah, yeah, woohoo! <laughs> if that's the point you're trying to make, then um, good luck. Uh, yeah, that's you know, not- I don't. It's good luck in life because that's. I mean, <laughs> women are better in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Overall, yeah. they're better, and. <laughs> They're people I'd rather spend time with, and there's all these things they have that we don't have. And if you think that our sport, like our our not even our that men's sports leagues tend to have better ratings, therefore men are better than yeah, I don't that's know. That's a sad existence. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, if your complaint is that they they can't dunk, it's not. You, if you think that's the reason why it's not fun to watch, I'm like, well, then you don't like basketball. <laughs> there's more to basketball than just, if you want to watch dunks go watch a dunk contest um the reason i mean i was watching highlights last night because um sue bird and diana tarasi were going to be playing their last game against each other um so they were showing highlights and i was watching it like man they just need a different ball the ball they use now drives me crazy <laughs> other than not having a team I, for whatever reason my big thing and i know this is this is stupid, but like I watch it, I'm like, I don't like the stripe ball. It's the same reason I don't watch the FIBA, the World Cup, the basketball World Cup. 
Like this ball looks stupid. I don't like it. It kind of drives me crazy. And maybe that's my like my OCD thing, but I don't like it. If no, they just had like a, sol- it's, a solid orange ball, maybe I'd watch more of it. It's always the small things, right? It's it's the small things. Now, look, I don't watch every NBA game. I'm not Brett by any means. I watch the Rockets games, and if I see an interesting matchup, I'll watch that. But I'm not saying like, oh yeah, I don't I don't watch NBA because I'm not interested in these players. Like I have I have a team I'm interested in. I watch that, and that's pretty much it. Um, I'm not I'm not anti obviously not anti NBA because I watch one or two teams. Um. Like I watch as many NBA teams as I watch WNBA teams pretty much. I used to watch when Brittany Griner was <laughs> not in Russia. I would watch her because she's from my area. So I was like, oh, cool. Look, there's a giant uh, WNBA player from our area. And it's fun to watch. I wanted to watch her. Um, but that's that's the kind of emotional connection I have. And I don't I, I don't know how this will come off, but like, I don't think there's anything wrong with not watching it. If it's not something that interests you, then don't watch it. I don't watch a lot of sports, but don't, I think ultimately my point is don't criticize it. If you're not going to do anything, if you don't have any constructive criticism, then don't just, you know, stick your nose up and be say Nana and a boo boo. I mean, that's just, it's just a shitty way to go about it. <laughs> exactly. And it, and it's a and it's like, when you really think about it, like, why does the NBA do so well? Why does the NFL do so well? Why does the NFL do better than the XFL or the AFL? Yeah, tradition. It's it's historical precedents and built up relationships, and it took time and it did all these things, right? Yeah. That's the same thing with the NBA, WNBA, men's basketball versus women's basketball. They haven't had the time. Yeah, exactly. And anyone that like. Like you said, if you care enough to like punch down at the WNBA or women's basketball or women's college sports in general and things like that, then you're definitely part of the problem. Yeah, I agree. If you don't have a solution, then like you said, you're just a misogynist prick. Like we don't, we <laughs> yeah. don't, we don't want to hear your opinion. Um, but speaking of tradition, I didn't even have this planned for you, but it did bring that up. You know, made me think of this: it, the the new realignments in college football. Um, I don't. In your case, I don't know where BYU's ending up, so I can't can't comment on that. But I think the USC and UCLA thing. I did want to talk about that real quick. Um, yeah, let's go for it. One of the arguments I saw against it, and I think is very valid, is that it's we're kind of making our way towards two conferences, and that does away with a lot of the tradition and college football that made it so much fun, like watching, you know, watching bowl games, you know, the big 12 number three seed against the big 10 number three seed that, that was exciting. But if we're just going to have sec and a big, big 30 or whatever they end up being, I think that's going to make things a lot less interesting to watch. I think you're right. And they're taking, We'll see how it ends up and what it actually looks like. But my big fear is we're going to have the ESPN conference and the Fox conference or, you know, or the CBS conference. And it's just going to be all about who owns what rights. Mm -hmm. 
and they're running the ship in that regard. Yeah, it'll basically be the NFL light. Exactly, it'll be a, it'll be the NFL, and I just don't think people understand that we love college football for different reasons. Yeah, like the NFL is infinitely a better product. Oh, uh, well, you can, uh, it's okay. Yeah. I guess I like. I guess like how fast they move, how smooth everyone is, how, um, generally speaking, the play design. There's a lot of things that you see that you don't see in college, but at that same time, I love college a lot more. Oh, I love college football so much more than the NFL. (laughs) See, I think on, on the same, on the same end, I think you, you see a lot of things in college football that you don't see in the NFL. Like there's a lot more creativity. There's a lot more room for that. Like you're not seeing an army offense or a Navy offense in the NFL. There's no way. Or the Georgia tech offense. If they even still run that, I haven't watched them in forever, but <laughs> you're not seeing things like that. You're not seeing the Mike Leach, you know, throwing up 70 points every week with his air raid offense. You don't see that in the NFL because I think people are teams are for the most part, you know, a lot more evenly matched than they are in college football. Um, and there's there's a lot more at stake for an NFL team to be losers for a long time, for lack of a better word. College yeah, I think, I think that's bad. a good call out there that like um, the constraints um, fuel innovation in college football. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about Navy, you know, they have weight limits. They can't actually get big that big of dudes. And so they have to play a different way. Um, that same way, like where did Mike Leach come from? He came from the Lavelle Edwards BYU tree with Andy yeah. Reid and a few others that completely revolutionized how we pass the ball. Right. And that, and that, and that world um, came from the fact that they couldn't compete with the big boys down South because uh, they give them roids or something. Those kids are bigger. <laughs> oh, <we're just> bigger. <laughs> And so they had it and they weren't as fast and they had to do different things. And it all became, it became about using space and creating space. And it changed exactly how sports have happened. Yeah. And there's regional flares, there's flares based off what kind of talent you can get. And if we consolidate down where there's only 40 teams total that get to play real college football. Yeah. Then what's going to what's going to end up is we lose that we lose that difference because these players aren't going to go all over the place. Like we we already see some version of it, but we're going to see a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna. It's gonna be like it's just gonna be the NFL. Um, some I mean NFL G League. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be players going to either Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio State. Hey, uh, Texas A&M's paying well, I hear. Yeah, we are, but <laughs> <laughs> I love my team, but we're not. We're not there yet. We're not, I don't think we'll ever get there. Um, but yeah, I I do think that. Yeah, it will have that negative impact. Like you're saying with the, you know, how they created the air raid to to counteract that. Do you think it will have that same effect in the future or will it have the opposite where like everybody's going to go, you know, pro style like Alabama and Georgia just so they can try and compete, like just match up with them? You know, they do also have the NILs now so they can pay players too. They don't have to just be like, yeah, well, 
you're not going to get a national championship here. So I guess don't come here and just go to Alabama. Like teams do have the opportunities to sign big players. So I think maybe that will help balance that out. My opinion is it all depends on what happens with the college football playoff. Oh God. And that sounds terrible. Yeah. But if but if the next if the next version of it just becomes that only basically only the Big Ten and the SEC can get in, mm-hmm. then 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 it then then college football as we know it is done. Right. So you know how much I hate that I hate missing the BCS. I it's it's crazy. I miss hating the BCS and that drives me crazy. I you remember how much we used to complain about the BCS and how awful it was. We were like, we just need a playoff, and now we've got the playoff. And it stinks. <laughs> playoff is awful. Yeah, it's not fun. And oh. And it's not fun. And the I mean, and like knowing that my team was basically one of the major selling points on the BCS isn't fun either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't let you can't let a BYU ever win again because that was a travesty. Yeah. Um. But like, you're right. You're right. That the BCS was just fun. Yeah. As much as we pissed and moaned about it, it was I think more fun. I miss the the coaches poll, the the BCS poll. Like, you, you know, you wake up Sunday afternoon, morning, whenever it came out, and be like, all right, where are we at? And it actually mattered. Now it's just like, okay, which which of Alabama or Georgia is going to be the one seed and which one's going to be the four seed? And who are they going to knock out to play each other in the national championship now? Well, exactly. And even with the fact that like last time, they were looking for any opportunity to not let Cincinnati in. Mm-hmm. And the BCS would have absolutely had them in. Absolutely, yeah. And like so, when it comes down to it, you look at the college football um, selection committee. Mm-hmm. It's as scummy as it gets, man. Yeah, of course. And it makes me so like not that it's not that we should expect better. Yeah, but you know, you wish you could. Yeah, I see. I like that. You know, people will complain that oh the you could have one of these Cincinnati's or whoever who may not be deserving and they get to that bowl game and they get blown out. Well, yeah, you could get that. Or you could get a Boise state who wins in, goes in there and beats Oklahoma. Like nobody expected that. And they would, they probably wouldn't have had that opportunity because they would have had to go against, um, you know, they would have had to do a tournament just to get to that game. And it's, you know, any given Saturday in this case, but, they could lose or they could win. I, I'd rather have them let them have that chance at the big dog and get the recognition and being like, okay, you beat this good team. Now you have to beat another one in order for us to recognize you. Like just give them their well, and chance. And the New Year's six games were so much fun. Yes, they were. And they, I mean, tell me if you disagree, but I don't look at them like they're this amazing thing anymore. No, they're just, and, and it's such a bummer because like the Utah Ohio State game this last season was the best game of the postseason. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't was amazing. It was so much fun. But it wasn't one of the playoffs, so nobody cared. Exactly. Yeah, they've done away with the the NY six, which is disappointing because I remember 
I mean, just, yeah, just every one of those, it was fun. You just get to cycle through and be like, okay, well, you could have the blowout game, but at the same time, you could have one of the great games. You could have Notre Dame getting stomped in again, which we always love seeing. Um, or you could see Oregon um, completely pissing down their leg like they always do, you know, get excited during the regular season and then lose it in the playoffs or not the playoffs, but the bowl game. It was, I just think it was more fun and I hate the playoff. That's all <laughs> I hate the playoff and I hate the realignment boo on USC and UCLA for doing this. I don't, I hate it so much and, well, and Texas and Oklahoma. And it really comes down to what decisions these guys start making these conferences. They need to consolidate and they need to figure things out. The, the, the smaller ones. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. The ACC, like the new Big Twelve, <laughs> yeah, Big Twelve is in a really safe spot because no one really wants them, right? And so they, so they're in this weird position where they need to, where they are waiting for the chips to fall with the ACC and the um, Pac twelve, Pac ten, whatever they are now, Pac ten. Um, to see where the chips fall and then they can, they get to be the corporate Raiders of the top bottom teams. Yeah. You think the pack, the pack folds before the big 12. See, I don't think there's enough star power left in the big 12 to sustain them. I think the pack 10 or whatever they are still has enough high quality teams. You know, they've still got Oregon who's, I don't think anybody in the big 12 has anything to compete with Oregon alone. See, I, what I would say with that, though, is I think Oregon and Washington have one foot out the door right now. You think so? Oh, yeah, I think they're just waiting for that offer. Oh, God bless them. If so, they go to the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, I, the Big Ten, or if the SEC does something crazy. Oh, the Big Ten would eat their lunch. <laughs> it would have a bad time in there. I think they they, would. It would be great. I think the ACC would be better off with them. See, I... I I would see the Big 12 and the ACC merging before the Pac-10. I don't I think the Pac-10 is not I think they I think that I think the SEC is going to take Miami, Clemson, uh-huh. probably Florida State. Hold on, you think Clemson is going to the SEC? Yeah, oh yeah, I think Clemson's going to the SEC. Um interesting. And then maybe and they'll, they'll take one more to, you know, hit the Get, get an even number there. Yeah, get Virginia Tech for some easy wins. Virginia Tech. Yeah, that Virginia Tech would be a great one. Oh, my computer. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. Oh, cool. My computer just shut off, but it's still working. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, well, we could wrap it up here. We had we didn't even expect to talk about college football. Uh, yeah. But, Bryce, it's always a pleasure. Well, I'll get us out of here before your computer kicks off. I'll talk to you again soon, all right? All right. Sounds good, man. Talk to you later.